You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 67. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. And today's episode is going to save your life your financial life anyway. It's the 2016 lessons that will make you successful. I'm not kidding about this one, but before we get started, Scott's got to make a confession to you. You know, the theme of January, it's no longer January, it's February now, has been Scott and his injuries. And I'm I'm on the up and up and getting a little bit better. And the other night though, I had a a fairly late meeting and my little girl, Gracie, she was at gymnastics class and I saw halfway through the meeting that my wife was calling out of the corner of my eye on my cell phone that was on silent and then I saw a text message come in. I didn't look at it. I thought maybe the text message was about, you know, what we were going to have for dinner or whatever. But when the meeting got done, I checked my message and the text message was Gracie hurt herself on her way to children's hospital. It's like, holy man, maybe I, maybe I should check that text message before. So I call my wife right away and she informs me, Grace, who was at gymnastics class, fell awkwardly off the balance beam and hurt her foot and was headed to children's hospital. But Grace was in good spirits. I'm going to be honest with you. Instantly, I thought Grace was fine because I always default that my kids are fine. In fact, I, I make fun of my wife sometimes because anytime any of my kids say that they're hurt at all, she's running to the freezer and grabbing them an ice pack. So I thought Grace was fine. If I would have been taken to Grace to gymnastics and saw that she got hurt, I probably would have walked down on the gymnastics floor, spit on her foot, rubbed some sand in it and said, Grace, you're fine. Get back up on the balance beam. So I thought that it was probably unnecessary that they were going to the hospital. I mean, geez, I just sprained my ankle a couple of weeks ago. I didn't go to the hospital, but this was little Gracie. She's eight years old. And then I, so I meet him at the hospital and I see Grace and I feel bad for her, but she doesn't seem like she's in this crazy amount of pain. And so I think to myself, again, she's going to be fine. Doctor comes in. They want to take an x-ray. They take an x-ray. You know how how emergency rooms go. It was taking forever. So finally, I went um, to get my little girl, Eva, who is six, almost seven, to bed. And I get a text message from my wife. And the last thing I expected was this text message. And the text message read, Gracie's foot is broken in three different spots and we're waiting to get a temporary cast on. I'm thinking, man, I must be the worst dad in the world. I think that I'm being a good father by trying to, trying to even though I have all girls, trying to keep them tough. 
But maybe I, I need to take a step back and realize that Scott, me, I need to have more compassion when it comes to my kids and them getting hurt. So that's that's my lesson to you out there. Take it from me. If you're a dad and are always trying to tell your kids that they're fine whenever they get hurt, maybe, just maybe, they may have a broken foot in three different spots the next time you tell them that they're going to be just fine so that's that's one of my hopes going forward is that i will have just a little bit more compassion for my kids when it comes to injuries let's get to the topic of the day all right here we go 2016 lessons that will make you successful financially successful anyway what i want to do is look back a little bit i know i've done this already in the past but it doesn't matter it's still it bears repeating because even though we're just early in february right now i've had countless people ask me already scott what do you think's gonna happen to the market this year because every year certainly brings a share of surprises. There's no doubt about that. But how many of us, be honest with yourself, how many of us could have imagined that 2016 would see things like, you know, the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series or Bob Dylan receiving a Nobel Prize in literature? How about Donald Trump being elected president at the beginning of 2016 very few people thought that would happen and lastly what about the dow jones industrial average close out the year just a scooge away from 20,000 i like that word scooge because i had a buddy in my previous life we worked together and you know once in a while when you work for a company somebody brings in donuts or a cake or brownies and we used to go into the break room and my buddy matt would say hey i'm just gonna grab a scooge of this donut and he'd lamp off just maybe a quarter of the donut you know wanted us to think he's just gonna just gonna have a little part of one donut today problem with with matt was he was going to the break room every 15 30 minutes just to grab a scooge pretty soon he had three donuts four donuts in him just like i did on my first pass but the dow jones that's what we're talking about a whisker a scooge away from twenty thousand. i don't think anyone could have predicted that but maybe some of the experts have and when i say experts i mean in parentheses experts Because the answer to the question with the experts, too, is very few would have thought the Dow would have ended just a little below 20,000. And this is a lesson that me and you would be wise to remember. I mean, just a month or two ago, I... I had an episode about about past predictions made in Money Magazine and, and Kiplinger's and magazines like that. But let's just look at these predictions that were made at the beginning of 2016. At year end now, 2015, financial optimists seemed in very short supply. Not one of the nine investment strategists participating in the January 2016 Barron's Roundtable expected an above average year for stocks. Not one of them. In fact, six of them expected the U.S. market returns to be flat or negative. So to have a 0% return or a negative return, while the remaining three predicted 0.5% 
returns in single digits at best. Now, keep in mind, picture yourself back at the beginning of of 2016, and you're reading the financial experts, the gurus of our time, are telling us how the stock market's going to do. And this is what they tell us. It's not going to do barely anything. It might go minus. So don't expect much at all. You see, prospects for for global markets appeared to be no better than the U.S. too. So according to this this same group of this panel, this Barron's panel, two of the panelists were sufficiently gloomy to recommend shorting exchange-traded emerging markets funds because they thought emerging markets were going to just tank. And all of this came from an article by Lauren Rubin titled Peering into the Future. It was a Barron's article published January 25th, 2016. And you know what? If you would go into early 2016, the results appeared to confirm these pessimists, these panelists. Because, you know, the viewpoint as as markets fell sharply around the world, the S&P 500 fell 8% over the first 10 trading sessions alone. The 8.25 loss for the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the same period, the first 10 trading days, was the biggest such drop throughout the entire 120-year history of that index. The worst You're looking at the first two weeks of 2016 and you're seeing your 401ks and your IRAs and your investment accounts drop like crazy and reading about the lowest drop ever or the largest such drop over the 120-year history of the Dow Jones. For fans of the so-called January indicator, the outlook was grim. And what the January indicator is, is what happens to stocks in January, so goes the year. If they're up, then we should have a good year of stocks. If they're down, we should have a bad year. So January stocks were looking horrible, which meant that people who believe in the January indicator, the outlook was grim. Guess what then? Guess what? Did things get better? No, they got worse. Oil prices fell sharply. Worries about an economic debacle in China re-entered the news cycle. Stock markets in France, Japan, and the United Kingdom registered losses of more than 20% from their previous peaks. This is one measure, too, of a bear market. And the news got worse. Plunging share prices for leading banks had many observers worried that another financial crisis was brewing. As U.S. stock prices fell for a fifth consecutive day on January 11th, shares of the five largest U.S. banks slumped nearly 5%, which made them down 23% for 2016. The Wall Street Journal reported the following day, And I quote from an article in the Wall Street Journal, February 12, 2016, by Tommy Stubbington and Margaret Patrick. The article was called, Banks Drop as Global Route Deepens. The quote, bank stocks led an intensifying route in financial markets. Not a good article to read at all if you're worried about your 401k. 
The news articles continue. A USA Today journalist observed that the persistent pounding global stock markets seems to be taking on a more sinister tone and more dangerous phase, with emotions and fear taking on a bigger role in the route. Investors questioning the ability of the world's central bankers to calm the markets, frayed nerves in a volatile environment in which selling begets more selling. That was a horrible article to read by Adam Shell entitled Market Tumult Charts New Waters in the USA Today, February 12, 2016. Man, I would read that and think we are headed for the next great recession. February 11th marked the low for the year for the U.S. stock market while prices eventually recovered as late as June 28th, the S&P 500 was still showing a loss for the year. Here we are, halfway through 2016. And we had a low point on February 11th and on June 28th, still showing a loss for the year. Do you remember that? I mean, that's only seven months ago. We were thinking, man, this is a horrible year for the stock market. And at this time, a number of well-regarded professional investors urged that the next downturn was fast approaching. One prominent activist in May predicted a day of reckoning for the U.S. stock market, while another reportedly urged his fellow hedge fund managers at a conference to get out of the stock market. And a third disclosed in August a doubling of his bearish bet on the S&P 500. This was in an article in the Financial Times, May 21st, 2016, titled, Growing Bears Provide Soundtrack for Investors. If you read that article, would you pull your money out of the, out of the stock market? I don't know, man. Maybe. That is if we were listening to the, in parentheses, experts. Because throughout the year, Some observers fretted over the pace of the economic recovery. The New York Times reported in July that weighed down by anemic business spending, overstocked factories and warehouses, and a surprisingly weak housing sector, the American economy barely improved this spring after its usual winter downturn. Jeez, all this bad news, my friends, it's making me sick. But guess what? And here's your lesson. Despite all of this noise, and let me tell you, that was all noise. Because think about your 401k. Think about your IRA. Think about all of your retirement money. All of that money should be long-term investments. And all of what you heard in the news cycles during the beginning of the year and throughout the year were made by so-called experts, not because they knew what was going to happen, but they were asked for an opinion and they gave their opinion on what they thought was going to happen and they were wrong. And worse yet, some people, experts, so-called experts, they get paid for their opinions. So they're not just going to sit in the back. They're going to make some money to make an opinion. They are going to make that opinion. But that opinion is not for you to take 
and run with and change your 401k or your IRA. Because despite all of this noise, all of what I just said, the S&P 500 returned, including dividends, 11.9% for the year. Isn't that just amazing? All of this dark gloom that we heard, and quite honestly, what was happening at the beginning of the year, things weren't looking great. So many of us thought about pulling out of the market. And maybe not you who might be a little bit younger and still pouring money into your IRAs and pouring money into your 401ks and pouring money into your investments. You know what? It's easy for us to say in our head when the market's down, and it's a good thing to say that, hey, I'm buying low now. The stock market is down. I'm still making contributions every two weeks, so I'm buying stocks on the cheap. That is very, very, very true. And that, my friends, helps us keep disciplined during bad times. But what about that person who's retired? What about that person who's not making contributions any longer so they can't participate in, in, in buying when things are low? They, in fact, on the other hand, are pulling money out of their portfolios because they're living off of their army of dollars now and no longer building it up because they have reached financial freedom. What about that person? who's reading that article, that person is the most susceptible to make a change in their investments at the very worst time. And it happens over and over again. A true measure of our risk tolerance is not judged during the times when we're still contributing or during the times of of a bull market. Our true measure of our risk tolerance happens during a bear market during a recession. That's the true measure. And do you have a person that you can lean on when this happens? Because the time is going to come when we are going to see a bear market and you are retired and you're living off your army of dollars. And the last thing you should do is sell. But every bone in your body wants to sell. Do you have that person to calm you down? If you don't, you need that person. Because once again, a strategy of embracing sensible asset allocation and super broad diversification, well, that's a much less frustrating than fretting over portfolio changes in response to new events. Because at the end of the day, my friends, all of the science tells us that we should not time the market because it's impossible that we should not be moving in and out of stocks and moving in and out of asset classes. We need to figure out what our risk tolerance is or at least get as close as possible and couple that with our risk capacity, our age, and then couple that with our dreams and goals and turn that into a comprehensive financial plan that we can live with, that we can be disciplined with because that will give you the greatest chance for success in retirement and making that portfolio as broad and diversified as possible and following the science of investing so we can have a portion of our investments in these higher expected returns all while not sacrificing our risk in these higher expected returns like small and value and profitability and all the things that I talk about 
about in earlier podcasts. So if you haven't or don't know anything about what I'm talking about, go to Best in Wealth and listen to some of these podcasts where we talk about investing. Because at the end of the day, my friends, this will give you the best chance for success. All right, I'm off my soapbox now. Can you tell I'm a little passionate about this stuff? I'm passionate about this stuff because I see it happen over and over again to great people that they are following some so-called expert and making changes in their portfolio when they shouldn't. I mean, all the research is out there that these active managers and these predictors do not do well for us. They are not after our best interest. Go to places like the Social Science Research Network, Google that, or Google the Spiva reports, and you'll see that all the research is out there. That there's even research out there on what we call the, the, the uh, so-called experts and the predictions that they've made, the times they've been right and the times they've been wrong. And let me tell you, their success rate isn't great. And not because they don't have a higher IQ than I do. It's just the market is smarter than me, it's smarter than you, and it's smarter than them. But if we follow the science of investing, we can get ahead of the game. And that's what my story is. That's what I'm going to keep pounding through your head in 2017. Because I want us all to be successful. All of us. The the person who's listening that's 25 years old and just starting their investment um, journey or the, or the 65 and 70 and 75 year old that is just entering retirement or just in retirement and trying to make sure that they can have a successful experience uh, in retirement and having a lower stress level, lowering that stress, all right? Hey, I'm done. That's all I'm gonna talk about today. But I want you guys to have an awesome week. I want you to make sure that you are listening to your kids when they're injured. And I'm going to see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.